Hello everyone, I'm Mark, the chief writer here at Maltopia, and I just wanted to remind you the sleep-wake cycle is but one of a series of interconnected horror podcasts within the wide and weird world of Maltopia. For Easter eggs, crossover events, and additional lore, please check out our other series, The Shepherd of Wolves, Red Mother, Grimland, and The Damnation Machine. And be sure to check out our free content on our Patreon page for additional lore and stories. For even more Maltopia content, consider becoming a patron. Starting for as little as $2 a month, benefits range from additional art, update videos, early episode access, our mini-podcast series, October's Children, both written and full audio pieces, such as The Lost Library, Tales of Maltopia, and The Weird Book. You can also gain access to our found footage show, The Weird Tape Series, and even our Patreon-exclusive, fully-produced audio series, Devil's Clay. So, with all that said, I will leave you to the darkness. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. I wasn't in the mood for Gabriel's mouth, but I shouldn't have let him under my skin. Still, the guns focused me, froze me to the purpose at hand. Even amidst the apocalyptic background of a world run insane, they showed me its banality. No matter what shape things took, no matter how fantastic, it was all just frosting scraped across cold, unfeeling stone, obscuring the starkness. And there I was, standing in the guts of a house of horrors, wincing at the monotony of it all. My pot shots at the kid exploded the debris piled in front of the door, which made getting to the hallway pretty easy. And then we secured some candles from the next room to help light our way to the crypt. Romy's eyes could have made do in the dimness, but there was no reason for both of us to tax ourselves. I wasn't quite a hundred percent, but I'd gotten by with less juice before. It was like the great darkness all over again, wandering the emptiness with no idea of who or what was out there, tripping over nightmares at every turn. The serpent energy, or whatever it was called, had done quite a job on the mansion, transforming it into a lurching den of hidden monstrosities. The walls were damp with an oily putrescence and the floors and ceiling bowed and warped with growths of mold and heavy rot. Some of the hallways had even become rounded, like holes tunneled into the earth where underground things scrabbled in the dark. The sounds of the place gave the impression of being at sea on some old boat, aged timbers creaking and groaning ceaselessly. I wasn't sure if it was falling apart or breathing, Neither possibility was all that encouraging. I just wished I hadn't taken those shots at the kid, as the surroundings were right out of a dark vision, but I was too indifferent from handling the revolvers to really appreciate them. The dream wasted. How far do you think that serpent energy went? I mean, is the whole northeast transformed, or just what's around the serpent line? I'm betting just to the lake and back across the forest where all the road work was being done. It should be contained to the areas around the line itself. Of course, this is all assuming Nyquist wants to limit the line's expression to places that won't draw an immediate response. Although, I have to assume that the world going black for miles is going to garner some attention. The Calistagos can likely tam down any news out of Nighthead, and the construction on the road through the woods ended months ago. Except for some remote homesteads, it might not be as noticeable as you think. Or, you got it wrong. 
and the darkness is spread out further than you think. This has got to be the game plan, right? Cover as much of the world as possible in this shit? I don't like to veer further than the evidence allows. We saw a sizable sacrificial pit, and maybe even missed a few along the way, but that wouldn't be enough to spread this light-resistant blackness to the entire world. One of the things we learned after the Great Darkness was that even the powers of the occult could be understood, at least somewhat, by mathematics. I can extrapolate an approximate range of the Serpent Line's effects based on Abel's account. The cave-in he talked about, and likely caused himself, might have killed a dozen or so people, and the effects of the expressing Serpent Line only covered the city for a few hours. A liberal estimate of the sacrificial total at this point might be somewhere around 60 people. The Crickmeyers plus whomever they culled from their own numbers. Given that estimate, we've probably got about a day's worth of unnatural darkness. That's some pretty cold arithmetic, but I'm not going to argue with the numbers. Sounds like more company. Nyquist's probably sending the kids some backup. We need to get that map ASAP. There's probably even more reinforcements on the way. Nyquist isn't going to take any chances with us. Romy was right, naturally. But the mansion hadn't only been deformed, it had been completely restructured. The corridors had become mazes, looping into themselves over and over again and the windows had somehow been erased from the walls. There was no way of telling where we were going. We crept through the rot and filth as quietly as possible, looking for anything that might resemble a way down to the lower levels. Trying to navigate the mansion was no different than moving through the cave that led out of Nighthead and under Leland. Time felt off, and we had no idea how long we'd been poking around the place. We wandered into a huge room, round and windowless. One I didn't recognize at all from our initial reconnoiter of the place. Though that wasn't saying much, given how much it had all changed. As what little light we traveled by spilled into one of the adjoining hallways, a cluster of glowing points was revealed. The reflective eyes of a band of monsters. You didn't think you could hide in the darkness? Our darkness, did you? The thing stayed outside the range of the light, stirring restlessly, and the wet sounds they made spoke to the changes they'd suffered since the serpent line erupted. I'm packing guns that can blow holes in the side of a battleship, so unless you and your buddies want to do your best impression of runny eggs, I'd keep my distance. I hoped I wouldn't have to use them again. Not this soon. <laughs> You mean the guns you missed me with? I can't blame you, though. I mean, you were pretty steamed about that crack I made about your mommy. Poor, poor Charlotte. The fact that he was making up names took the edge off his jibe. But I still wanted to shoot him, despite my need to abstain. Shut your filthy mouth, you goddamned bastard! Before I could trade another barb, Romy's Balik sliced through the air, tearing into the unseen horde. More wet sounds, only this time describing how the monsters came apart. 
While I knew our mother was a touchy subject for her, her response was pure hatred and adrenaline. Surely she didn't buy into the thing knowing our mother's name. The monsters withdrew deeper into the hallway, leaving behind a septic pool of murky blood. Struck a nerve, eh, Romy? But not your brother. I wonder. I wonder if you neglected to tell him your mother's name. How much she loved the two of you. Seems unfair to keep it all to yourself, now doesn't it? Before Romy's face disappeared beneath the blaze of blue light that dripped from her eyes, I saw it. Shame. Jesus. The monster was telling the truth. I, I, I couldn't move, even as the reinforced horde spilled at us from the second hallway. I could, I could see some of their faces in the dim light. They were the corpses from the culvert, white-eyed and stumbling toward us, stone daggers clutched in their hands, bodies twisted all out of shape. Gabriel's words refused to let me move. He said that she loved us. My mother. My, my mother loved me. I couldn't even hear what was going on around me. Only the fire of my sister's eyes and flash of her blade caught my attention. My ticks were running rampant across my face. Shambling attackers continued to flood in, closing around us. And all I could do was tear at my eyes and whistle. I wanted to act now, draw my guns, invite the hands of white cold banality to rip the emotion out of me. I revved my power and brought the building's electric lights back on, the nearest hallways filling with the dirty yellow light. The horrific throng recoiled under the illumination like I'd brought the ceiling down on them. With the lights on, I could see just how horrible the things were. Rows of revivified corpses joined by greasy lengths of sallow flesh, making them into a patchwork of walking, rotting skin and grisly bones. In the back of the mob crept a shape that might have been a gigantic spider, or maybe a crab. It was skinless, damp strands of muscle tissue crisscrossing its inhuman physique. Gabriel's head was perched on top of it all, a lump of sloughing flesh that beamed a wild smile. But I didn't give a shit anymore. The revolvers were in my hands. The first shot thundered through the largest concentration of the creatures, blowing them to rotted smithereens, blasting body parts into the darkness beyond. My next round splattered the rotting gaggle trying to creep up on us from behind. But they kept coming. It was only a matter of time now. But the guns purified me, took the passion from the moment, let me think in a cold, straight line. The answer was obvious. Romy caught on immediately, grabbing me by the arm as we dropped through the smoking hole in the floor. Once we'd fallen far enough, her power kicked in and sapped the force of our descent. The mansion had high, vaulted cathedral ceilings, so it was a considerable drop. After touching down, we were off and running the sound of stumbling devils thumping above our heads. (laughs) 
The mansion became a blur as we raced blindly through the halls. Isaiah kept his field around us, allowing my eyes to light the way. The difference between nightmaring and waking had all but completely collapsed, the world almost entirely given over to darkest imagination. I was half suspecting that the scene would shift in a moment, that Isaiah would turn around to be revealed for someone else, maybe my mother, Charlotte. I began searching the darkness for signs of the sleeping bell, desperate to discover that I was still asleep. The whole thing just another nightmare. The sound of my brother's revolvers exploding the darkness snapped me back to reality, or whatever remained of it. Several steps ahead, he'd likely discovered something before the light of my eyes had a chance to reveal it. When he started backing away from whatever it was, entering the range of my glowing eyes, I noticed two things. The first, his hands were swollen and dark from where they still clutched the pale revolvers. The other, an unholy amalgamation of ancient bones and coffins and funerary statues and wormy loam was creeping straight for us. To suggest even a basic outline for the thing would be difficult, as it was more of an animate scaffolding of bones, wherein the rotting sarcophagi formed the principal torso. Its limbs were a fusion of many disparate bones, allowing it to crawl about in a manner of a centipede. Lining the creature's back, as if forming rows of spines, were various memorial statues and grave markers. The head was a cluster of several skulls, all of them crushed together to give the impression of a single skeletal face. A pair of bony hands, affixed to both sides of the jaw, functioned as makeshift mandibles. How it managed to speak with no discernible viscera was a secret I had no time to ponder. What fools we Crickmires were to shun the dark, for it even grants life after death. Though, for the two of you, I'm afraid the darkness only proffers death. It was Abel Crickmire's voice, speaking through the cracked bones of his ancestors. All at once, the thing attacked with legions of bony claws and ivory blades and snapping mandibles. Isaiah's face was a mask of pain, his fingers barely able to squeeze the triggers of his revolvers, his shots wild and imprecise for the fact. I managed to keep up with the thing, my Balik sparking across its whirring limbs, but it was slowly backing us up, and I could hear the patter of inhuman feet closing from the darkness at our backs. Isaiah flattened against the wall, sliding the revolvers into their case and the case into the bag slung across his shoulder. He seized one of the waving limbs of the aggregate Crickmire, and his eyes became pale and emotionless, a cold mist coiling around the swollen grip he exercised upon the creature. He was trying to banish the darkness animating it, but my brother was too weak to pull it off completely, so I stepped in. Eyes glowing, I turned my attention to the ceiling, ripping it from its moorings and bringing the heavy stone down atop the funeral monstrosity's head. I swung around and did the same thing to the ceiling above the creature sneaking up from behind. <coughs> uh, 
Oh, thanks, Romy. I, uh, I don't think I could have held out much longer. I'm just glad I didn't crush you along with it. Isaiah fell into a pensive crouch against the wall, trying to catch his breath. I did the same, and for identical reasons. The exercise of my power had left me exhausted. Why? Why? Why didn't you tell me, Romy? About... about our mother? I didn't know what to say. Primarily because I hadn't worked through it myself. I don't know. I'm sorry, Isaiah. I really am. Nychris just dropped it in my lap and it went off like a bomb. Which is exactly what he wanted. I didn't want the same to happen to you, I guess. I wasn't sure if that was true or not, but I thought it could be. More likely, I didn't want to think about it, let alone talk about it, even if that meant keeping it to myself at least for the time being. It's... it's all right. I, uh, I get it. Jesus, Isaiah, your hands. They were horribly frostbitten, some of the skin peeling away in black encrusted layers. They trembled as he inspected them. Don't worry, I, I generally heal up pretty fast. Be that as it may, his strength was waning the same as mine. The light of my eyes dimmed by the moment, inviting encroaching darkness. We can't make the crypt, especially with only the one way in and out. And besides, we're both about out of juice. It's suicide. We have to focus on getting out of here. Ugh, they're going to be through the rubble in no time. We need an escape plan. Isaiah slowly lifted his ruined hand to the wall, cold white mist curling around his fingertips. His expression was one of supreme concentration and pain. A sound like cracking bone and snapping sinew emanated from a point on the wall just a few feet away. The mold-caked stone began falling like a flaking scab, revealing the edges of a window. I joined in immediately, laying my gaze against the serpent-warped wall, prying it back from the sealed-over window. We were both at the cusp of our ultimate limit, Isaiah grinding his teeth audibly, eyes twitching, hands shaking. As for me, I was still braced, if only slightly, by the lingering effects of the meds I had popped earlier. But the world was spinning, paranoia filling my head to bursting. I worried that at any moment my mother would come smashing through the debris, arms outstretched, or that just as we unsealed the window, her grinning, rotten face would greet us from the other side. My hands were shaking as badly as Isaiah's, my clenched teeth drawing blood from my lip. There you two are. Gabriel had almost pushed entirely through the barrier, his eyes burning red and hot from where they peered at us through the cracks and clouds of dust. And just where do you think you're going, hmm? It's late and far too dark out. You know it only takes one move and you could fall and bump your little heads. Why not spend the night here, with us, where it's safe? I'll make us all big, steaming cups of hot chocolate. Doesn't that sound delicious? 
Just as he said hot chocolate, the taste of the stuff flooded my mouth. That's when I knew. It was the other one, the thing that had been helping us since we landed in Nighthead. <laughs> Why, that does sound delicious. <laughs> hot chocolate stirred with peppermint sticks, spiked with screams and skin and eyes and tongues. Why, that's my favorite. <laughs> The voice came from Gabriel's side of the barrier, so we couldn't see what the guy, the thing, looked like. But that was fine by us. We had more pressing matters to contend with. When enough of the window was revealed, we smashed open the glass and clambered outside. We ran, even more mindlessly than before, beneath a sky-turned abyss, across an earth transformed to graveyard into a world swallowed by nightmare. The Sleep-Wake Cycle is a Maltopia production. Today's episode was written by Mark Anzalone and performed by Kelly Bear and Mark Anzalone. The episode was edited by Walker Kornfeld. Sound production and editing was performed by Stephen Anzalone and the Sleep-Wake Cycle theme song was written and performed by Sean Zeller. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Maltopia. That's M-A-E-L-T-O-P-I-A. And if you'd like to know more about the world of the Sleep-Wake Cycle and contribute to its nightmarish expansion, visit us at www.patreon.com forward slash Maltopia, where you can gain access to all sorts of art, mythology, stories, and more. For more information about the Sleep-Wake Cycle and the larger world of Maltopia, Head over to Maltopia.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.